You're listening to Once, episode 294, where bluebirds fly, initial reactions. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Aaron, And we are excited about the upcoming finale. Now, if you can make it to Cincinnati for our finale party, please go to oncepodcast.com slash party, and that's where you can register for our party. It doesn't cost anything to come. We'd love to have you there and uh, love to watch Once Upon a Time with you, record our initial reactions podcast with you there. We're really looking forward to it. All the details, the schedule, and everything are at oncepodcast.com slash party. Do take note, there is a one-hour special before the two-hour finale starts. So if you're planning to DVR the recording, make sure that you have it set for an hour early and have it set to go for three hours long because there will be some awesomeness, I'm sure. (laughs) Let's get into where bluebirds fly. Props to my wife, Jenny, for knowing that this was a reference to the song Somewhere Over the Rainbow, which is kind of a reference to Oz, which makes sense now with this episode. It does. I did not know the title until I opened this podcast document. So <laughs> It's one of those that made the least sense, I think, of any title I've ever seen before. And even seeing the episode, if you didn't know that Where Bluebirds Fly is that whole chain of things, uh, I don't think it would make that much sense. But then again, they've used other phrases and such that are from books or poems or other things like that that do bear some connection with the episode not necessarily something that's tied directly to the stories in the episode um there was uh was it the neverland episode did they have a double called two stars to the right and straight on till morning or something or am i making that up yeah that was the um (laughs) before the neverland season so that was the end of season two the final two episodes of that okay so yeah, they have had some plays on titles. Maybe they're just running out of titles. It was appropriate. I liked I liked seeing that that uh where were we today? Oz. <laughs> I liked seeing that Oz flashback. They're getting more traditional again with the flashbacks, which I enjoy. That's what made us love the show, I think. So going up to this episode, I, I usually don't watch the promos. Sometimes I'll watch them after we've recorded our most recent episode, a full discussion episode. So that way I'm spoiler free for the discussion. And sometimes I see the promo for the next episode. I hadn't seen the promo, but because I turn on the TV before the show comes on every now and then something slips through. And in the promo, did they not say someone's going to pay the ultimate sacrifice? And they did. They, yeah, they paid a big sacrifice. Yes. The ultimate sacrifice? No. Maybe not for her. I feel like if Rumpel gave away all his magic, that would be the ultimate sacrifice for him because that is the thing he loves most. So perhaps not for Zelina because she and she willingly gave it and didn't even seem that tormented about it. Well, it was a hard decision, clearly. But she's still alive. 
And in the chat room, some of us thought that maybe she would, you know, fall over her nose would start bleeding and she would die right there. But <laughs> no, she's still alive. And that's that's good. I'm not saying she has to die. But there was no ultimate sacrifice. A sacrifice, yes. Ultimate sacrifice, uh, it's marketing hype. Yeah, it's true. I didn't think of the fact that she didn't necessarily know she wouldn't die from making that sacrifice when she made it. Because that's why she was saying, you know, promise me you'll take care of Robin. Yeah. She's probably in a better place now, honestly. She's been kind of living alone in that cabin, taking care of Robin by herself, just kind of wanting to be left alone. And all of these magical people keep approaching her and, you know, trying to get her on their side, the side of good or the side of bad. And now she has no magic to to kind of draw attention to herself. And she can perhaps just live a normal life now. And now she can be there, yeah, at the farmhouse being all wicked and, you know, being a mother and nice things like that. Yeah. So I got the impression that although the plan for the Black Fairy was to turn all of the crystals black so that she could use them to start the final battle, that was undone. But she seems to be not really phased by it. She's more afraid of the Blue Fairy than of the fact that she doesn't have all of these black crystals anymore. And I have a little bit of a theory about that just based on what they said tonight. I'm just wondering if the kind of original good versus evil battle from way back in the day, since we know that Blue Fairy was at least around a very, 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 very long time ago, and so was Black Fairy, that perhaps Blue has the other half of that wand and is the one that originally banished the Black Fairy away. However, it seems peculiar if that is the case that the Black Fairy was so easy to get Gideon from Blue when, like recently in, in this kind of timeline. Well, it would make sense because Blue didn't have that wand. That wand, as Tiger Lily said, is what was used to banish the Black Fairy. And previously, uh, from the episode Quite a Common Fairy, we learned that, or no, it was uh, going home, we learned that the Blue Fairy was the one who banished the Black Fairy to the, the Dark Realm. So I think it's this knowledge that the Blue Fairy has is a weapon, and... Uh, maybe she has or knows where the other piece is to this this elder wand. <laughs> does does Black Fairy know that Emma has that piece of the wand now? Sorry. Yes. Don't recall. Okay. So that would make sense too that she's distraught about that idea. But her main concern is her darkest secret. And that's the real reason she gave up Rumple. Which is interesting. I'm I'm wondering what they're going to do with that because I wonder if it's going to kind of come full circle where she, air quote, made a deal and that's the reason why she gave up her baby. And then now, you know, Rumpel grew up to feel abandoned and then ended up making deals for people's firstborn babies. Mm-hmm. It's It's just a very cyclical family dynamic <laughs> happening. Well, and is this darkest secret a weapon that can be used against the Black Fairy? Or is it simply a thing she doesn't want other people to know? That's interesting. That's I didn't think of that, that it could be a weapon. Um, 
I think definitely Blue has to have some kind of knowledge, even if that's not the secret that the Dark Fairy or Black Fairy is so concerned with. I wonder if it's something crazy like this. The missing part of the Elder Wand, and I keep calling it that because (laughs) of the Harry Potter-like feeling of it, not because they're calling it that inside of the show. So just in case you're wondering, if you want to tell me they don't call it that in the show, I know, we call it that here. But um, I'm wondering if the missing part is not another object. The missing part is actually Rumple, and that the Blue Fairy had to use Baby Rumple in some way, because, you know, the number of spells and potions that you can make with a baby are staggering. <laughs> Maybe Blue Fairy used Rumple, baby Rumple, as part of the weapon in order to banish the Black Fairy and trap her inside of the Dark Realm. What power? Well, I guess just because he was a baby. So it wouldn't be related at all to him being the Dark One because he wouldn't have been the Dark One yet. Right. But who's to say they couldn't see the future and knew that he would become the Dark One? But the Black Fairy was surprised that the Dark One was actually her son. That's what we saw the first time that we got to see the Black Fairy. Do we think that the Elder Wand is the exact opposite of the Dark One dagger, perhaps? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Because I feel like there has to be an opposite. Because if, if magic has to be kept in balance, at least that, I mean, that's not an idea from this show. That's from other shows that happen to have the same writers as this show. But um, I feel like there has to be, you know, an equal force of good and, and evil. And that's what kind of keeps them warring for so long is that they can't ultimately beat the other one because it's so equal. And although the theme of this show has been good always wins, good always defeats evil. Um, this is how good wins. I'm just quoting you know <laughs> season one um it it does seem like good is behind behind the times like they have a savior who doesn't really know anything about her origin as a savior she knows about her origin as far as you know she was the product of true love and that type of history like one generation but now this is the season where we're kind of learning the backlog of saviors perhaps that there's been more than one, just like there's been more than one dark one. And perhaps there's always a savior and there's always a dark one. And so if the dark one has this tool, it just, I feel like the savior should have one too. Yeah. And for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. But it seemed like we'd seen already some things that are the opposite of the dark one dagger, like this heart from this episode that sucks out someone's magic. What happens if the Dark One dagger is placed on the heart or the Dark One goes to that? We even saw the apprentice suck out the Dark One's darkness from his heart. But then the darkness just went around everywhere else. He couldn't tether the darkness to anything else. It had to find a person to be tethered to. Yeah. So what's going to happen to this magic in the heart? And is is that automatically good magic now? Or can it be used in any way? Yeah, I guess if we talk about the flashback, uh, Stanum, which actually means tin, I, I looked it up really oh, quickly, because cool. that seemed like a curious name. The tin man, I, we don't know whether he actually, could she have used it to save his life if she was willing to sacrifice her magic at that time? Or was it all kind of a ploy? 
I think she could have because this heart is uh, Oz's version of Peter Pan's minion taser. The taser, <laughs> well, that we call it a taser. Okay, yes, I know. People are like, it's a taser. How does it affect magical people? Because it's not an ordinary taser. The taser seemed, my theory was what the taser did is it sucked the magic out of people or it affected their magic in some way. And this heart seems to be kind of similar, uh, except it happens to anyone who touches it. So I think what would have happened if the Tin Man had that heart put in him, or maybe if he simply touched the heart, then it would have sucked the magic out of him. And the magic that was in him was this curse that the Witch of the North, was that Glinda, the Witch of the North? Why would she do something like that? Um, because it seemed like all of the witches were good except for Zelina. But then again, they are called witches. So but so I can see how it could have easily worked from that removing the magic. It's it's like a black hole for magic. It absorbs all of the magic and doesn't let it out at all. Kind of like an Olympian crystal in New York City. Oh wait, we forgot about that. Yeah, we're not supposed to think about that. <laughs> There's been so many, you know, magic sucking objects, magic hindering objects, objects that can control magical beings if they're tethered to that object. I just, I kind of wish that we had established like maybe in the one hour uh, special that's before the finale, they could be like, okay, guys, here's the actual rules of magic that we're working with. But I think that they're not working with magic rules, and that's why they keep breaking them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Guest529 in our chat room is pointing out that they said, Wicked Witch of the North. So they're suggesting maybe that means it wasn't Glinda because she's the Good Witch of the North. Maybe there's a Good Witch of the North and a Wicked Witch of the North, and maybe it's that way for all of the directions on the compass. Okay, I could see that. Maybe, yeah. Now, the, the Crimson Heart uh, sucks magic, but you know who gives magic freely, directly from their hearts? <laughs> it's our wonderful heroes who are those who would willingly give of their own hearts to save the Tin Man, the Tin Man being our podcast. Those who would willingly make the ultimate sacrifice, that is simply giving their magic, to support this podcast. And so for them... We are eternally grateful. For this episode, I'd like to thank Lisa Slack and Cindy Barrick, our new hero on Patreon. And we also have 28 heroes on Patreon supporting this podcast episode after episode. Thank you very much. We could not do this without you. Now, if you have not yet been a hero for the podcast, would you consider doing so? It doesn't mean you have to give $50 or $100 per month or your name has to be mentioned in every single episode. But maybe it's a dollar per month or $5 or 10 or 20 What is the podcast worth to you? When you think about how you spend $50 sometimes to go see a movie in the theater with some friends, and sometimes the movies aren't even all that great, what kind of value do you feel you're getting from the podcast when we bring the podcast to you, sometimes hours of entertainment? If that's worth something to you, would you consider giving some value back. And the way you can do that is by being an amazing, attractive hero. And your options are over at oncepodcast.com slash hero. Give as little as a dollar per month or more if you feel we're worth it. oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.
this whole thing about finding the wedding location seemed a little silly, but then I think also makes sense. It's developing the characters, really, and letting us see how, yes, they're trying to move on. And I like that they're connecting it back with season one to say, on our wedding day, which was the best day of my life, the evil queen came and made it the worst day of my life. And they don't want that for Emma. I like that connection. And it makes sense then why David is being so weird through the episode. It was very cute. I thought it was cute, especially the Mary Margaret and Emma mother-daughter scenes where Mary Margaret had the binder and had the little dress samples and um, basically like was very vulnerable and expressed to Emma like, I've missed so much of your life. I'm not willing to miss this. Um, And I just feel like there's been such a call from the fans for more air quote charming moments where they get to be a family because... I remember even in like starting in season two, a lot of the feedback was like, this is a family that's just been reunited and it's like, go, go, go. And there's never any, you know, sentimental moments or just living. So I liked seeing that. And yeah, Charming, he, he was a little off. I thought that maybe when they got to the bottom of it, it was going to be, you know, because of finding out that Hook had killed his father but um, no, it was cute, too, that he was fussing over Emma being a princess and wanting it to, to be perfect and not wanting, not wanting her to feel what him and Snow must have felt like through their entire pregnancy, like that doom and gloom that, that the evil queen brought on them. And speaking of doom and gloom, what was it that David saw in Henry's drawings? Do you think that was simply a reminder that, oh, there's this foreboding evil, so we really shouldn't move forward with the wedding? Or do you think it was something that he recognized in the drawing? I don't know. David doesn't really strike me often as the most intellectual type. So perhaps they were just reminding us. I'm not sure. I thought it was something that we would see in this episode. Now, it could be just that's what set him off on thinking, oh, we shouldn't be planning a wedding with all of this stuff looming over us. But I'd like to think it's something more. And uh, But we didn't get to see it in this episode. So if it is something more, that's something that will carry over into next episode. But if it is, I feel like they didn't focus on it enough for it to be something that can carry across to a separate episode unless they remind us of it from the, you know, previously on Once Upon a Time portion, which they do sometimes. Well, we've seen now those graphics that Henry, this is the second time, I think, that we've seen like kind of a screenshot of the the writing. And yeah, yeah they could probably ref- definitely summarize even those short little scenes in the previously if they if they need to. I really like that they showed us Henry did try to write a victory for Emma, but it didn't work. So that, that answers that question that it's like they, they have been reading our minds before we even had these thoughts in our mind. Or maybe some people had these thoughts early on or someone in the writer's room. Hey, maybe they did hire a nerd in the writer's room who would say, hey, why doesn't Henry just write? And Emma won the final battle. Yeah, definitely reminded me of a I know your bail fire moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So we have more to discuss and dig into with this episode, and we'd love your theories for that. So please contact us through the website. For your convenience, you can email feedback at onespodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail any time of the day. Don't worry, you won't wake us up. 903-231-2221 or send a voice message through the website at oncepodcast.com. And we'd love to try and incorporate your feedback into our upcoming full discussion. Your feedback may need to be edited for clarity or brevity so that we can fit it into certain places and get the, the gist of what you're sharing with us. So we'd love to include you in our podcast and we'd love to see you at our upcoming finale party. Register for that at oncepodcast.com slash party. But in the meantime, please connect with us on Twitter at oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Aaron on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. Please share this episode out if you enjoyed it by going to oncepodcast.com slash 294 and all of the other links and things that we mentioned will be there in the show notes. Oncepodcast.com slash 294. And until next time, why don't you practice on my axe? And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you would like to be a hero too, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.